the soul of good dot belongs to animals uh, this is the reason of our existence this is the reason why we started out uh, the core team uh, uh, you know uh, we are not business people we don't come from business background and this is not something which had motivated us uh, you know we 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 wanted to set up a non profit organization to help animals but eventually uh, the funding is a biggest challenge in setting up a non profit organization so this was a thought that okay let's create a commercial enterprise which sells uh, products which saves animals and then within our whatever money uh, in our own end what we'll be getting we'll start helping animals welcome to the business for good podcast a show where we spotlight companies making money by making making the world a better place. I'm your host, Paul Shapiro, and if you share a passion for using commerce to solve many of the world's most pressing problems, then this is the show for you. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Business for Good. I appreciate all the feedback we got on the last episode with Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams about business solutions to enable policing reform and how many of you took the time to go look up the BOLA rap technology that Adams was touting in his conversation with me. Uh, for those of you who didn't hear the last episode, this is the Batman-type device which allows for pain-free, though maybe not embarrassment-free, detainment of suspects. Some people wanted to know more about where this technology has already been deployed, and to my surprise, it turns out that the Los Angeles Police Force, along with others, are actually now using it. So if you didn't check out the video and you want to, just go to businessforgoodpodcast.com and there is a link that's included in the show notes in the Eric Adams episode where you can check it out. Now moving on, we have another riveting conversation for you this episode about a topic very near to my heart, slowing and reversing the increases in meat consumption that we're seeing around the globe. Most people know that factory farming of animals is pretty bad for the animals themselves. It's bad for the planet. It's bad for public health. It's certainly bad for pandemics. But when we think about the problem of increased meat consumption, we typically think about places that have the highest rates of meat eating, like America, or places like China where consumption is quickly rising. But we don't often think about India. In fact, oftentimes when Westerners do think about India, we tend to think of it as a land of vegetarians. Now, don't get me wrong. It's true that India has given the world some pretty awesome vegetarian food. And it's also true that per person meat consumption is low in India relative to America. However, the hard truth remains. The majority of Indians are not vegetarian and their per capita meat consumption has been skyrocketing in recent decades. Now, that would be a concern in any country. But when you're talking about a nation of 1.3 billion people, you see just how critical stemming this tide in the wrong direction actually is. So what can be done to satisfy the palates of the hundreds of millions of Indians who want to eat more meat? Well, just like in America, part of the solution is almost certainly going to be giving consumers the experience of meat that they want, but without having to raise so many animals in the process. And that is exactly what Good Dot is doing. Four years ago, this company did not even exist. Today, Good Dot has nearly 200 employees and is producing a wide variety of plant-based meats for the Indian consumer. The company's even now opened up its own chain of all plant-based fast food kiosks too. And as you'll hear, unlike the plant-based startups in the US, Good Dot is already competing on cost with the animal products they're seeking to displace. In this interview, we hear from the company's CEO, Abhishek Sinha, a man who by his own description was a government bureaucrat who loved animals and decided he wanted to do more for them with his career. And as a result, Abhishek now claims that he's happier and more fulfilled today than he's ever been before. 
Note that in the interview that Abhishek tells me he's going to send me some of the Good Dot samples, and indeed, he is a man of his word. He did exactly that. Good Dot did send my wife, Tony, and me a care package of their products. I've already enjoyed the plant-based lamb, and yes, we even offered some to our dog, Eddie, who gave two paws up, and I'm looking forward to trying some more soon, too. You already know that there's a plant-based meat revolution that's happening in the U.S. and in Europe and in China. Now, get ready to hear all about how it's unfolding on the Asian subcontinent, too. Abhishek, welcome to the Business for Good podcast. Thanks a lot, Paul. It's an honor to be on this show. Well, it's an honor to have you on here, man. I have been looking forward to talking with you for some time. I've heard from so many people who are fans of Good Dot, and we're glad to have the CEO on finally. Where in India are you today? I'm currently in Udaipur in Rajasthan, north part of India. And that's where the company is headquartered in Udaipur. That's correct, Paul. It's in Udaipur. Okay, great. Well, before we talk about the company, let's talk just a a little bit about India, Abhishek, because uh, to many Westerners, they probably think of India as a country where, you know, vegetarianism is the norm. And so they think, well, what's the problem? Why do we actually need to come up with some type of plant-based food company in a country where there are hundreds of millions of vegetarians? So what's the problem? Yeah, actually, uh, it's a stereotype, Paul. You know, of course, uh, India has got the largest percentage and absolutely the largest number of vegetarians in the world. But by and large, uh, around as per the last survey, with last scale survey, which was carried out, 72% of Indian people eat meat and 72% of 1.3 billion is a lot. So that's a big problem on our hands. And this is what we are trying to solve. Yeah, I'm no mathlete, but uh, 72% of more than a billion people—it's a—it's a huge number of people. Um, but still, uh, you know, yeah. if if over a quarter of the population is vegetarian, uh, that's something to celebrate. But you know, tell for those who aren't familiar, uh, in the past, was that number higher or lower? In other words, is the rate of vegetarianism going up or going down? Unfortunately, Paul, it's going uh, down steeply. Uh, like uh, as, as India is maturing more as an economy and society, uh, more and more people are converting to meat-eating habits. So, you know, that is a trend which we want to stop. In fact, uh, the largest growth of uh, chicken adoption as per United Nations report is India uh, and in the foreseeable future. So I think we have to be ahead, ahead of the curve and, and give alternatives which are uh, good for all. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's interesting you say that because uh, Jason Matheny, who is the uh, founder of New Harvest and has been a real uh, like prophet in in terms of promoting cultured meat, um, really had this epiphany when he was working for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in India about chicken production, and this was uh, nearly 20 years ago when he was reading UN reports about how chicken production was likely to explode in India, and he just thought. We need some type of alternative for people to uh, consume the protein that they so desperately want without having to raise and slaughter billions and billions of animals. And for him, that meant uh, really working to pioneer cell-cultured meat or otherwise sometimes known as clean meat or cultivated meat or cultured meat. But for you, uh, it's working on plant-based meat in India. So tell me, what is it about plant-based meat that made you want to leave your life and tell folks what you were doing before to start a new company? Yeah, um, you know, it is quite relevant, as you pointed out. Uh, You know, for me, if I can recount my own individual journey, uh, I, if one thing which I identify myself uh, since my childhood is being an animal lover, 
but I would consume meat. I left meat uh, seven years back. Uh, so there was a moral dilemma in my mind that I would enjoy eating meat, but I would still take care of animals. So it would not make much sense to me. Uh, but in 2003, when in, I was in my final year of engineering, uh, I saw a Dutch government-sponsored study on clean meat. So that was the start of the curiosity in the space because I was not looking to enter into the space. I was looking more for a consumer from a consumer point of view. I was really keen as to when India will have some of those kind of alternatives where all your you know taste requirements are met, nutritional requirements are met, and of course uh, you are not you know having any moral dissonance. So, but nothing eventually happened for a long time. So after a decade. Uh, you know, our, our team got together. We have a bunch of co-founders and investors. We we thought that it's about time to bring, you know, some of these alternatives. So we focused on plant-based alternatives uh, because we thought that it is uh, easier to bring it to the market as it was easier to commercialize it. Uh, so that was when we decided to uh, start the venture and, you know, go for it. What were you doing before, Abhishek? Uh, in fact, uh, my qualification, I'm a chemical engineer. But I was uh, in the Indian federal government service in various capacities. Uh, I was in the Indian Revenue Service, so I resigned as Deputy Commissioner of Income Tax in India. So it was more of a financial side of uh, you know experience. Uh, but uh, then again, a lot of uh, our team members bring in a lot of technical side of experience, and thereby we pooled our you know talents and expertise together to finally set up this venture. Wow. So you you might maybe describe yourself then as having been essentially like a reformed government bureaucrat who decided to become an entrepreneur and start your own plant-based meat startup. Right? Yeah, I would say an animal lover who went into bureaucracy came back to the segment. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> well, as, as somebody who grew up as an animal lover, I can tell you, um, you know, I yeah. I have uh, ever since a child really preferred animals in many ways. And uh, I would say even that the dogs in our family more than I loved most people <laughs> at that time. Yeah. And uh, I was actually I was at the dog park with my wife earlier today. And uh, there was a little kid. He was probably, I don't know, maybe seven years old. And he came up and asked if he could pet our dog. And uh, he he said yes. And I said, well, if you watch what happens when you put your face in his face. And he was so eager to do it. And my dog just started licking him. I, we have this pit bull named Eddie. <laughs> he started licking him. And this kid was in heaven. And his mom came over. And to yeah. my great delight, the mom was happy that her dog was, that her kid was like being mauled with licks by this kid. <laughs> and I told her like that was me, you know, uh, that was me uh, three, no, three three decades ago. Uh, as somebody is in, absolutely, I've been a fan. You know what you have been doing for all uh, for the animals right from the very beginning. I've also, you know, we have uh, witnessed what you have been doing in HSI and your own book with Clean Meat, and now with uh, the Better Meat Company. Like it's awesome, you know. You are putting your you know fashion and expertise into doing something for them. And that's such a great thing to know. Well, that's very nice of you, man. But let's talk about what you're doing. So, you know, you've got Good Dot now. You guys were founded in 2016. You mentioned that there were co-founders and VCs involved, but I would imagine that it's quite different in India than in the U.S., where the U.S. has a, has a robust venture capital system for startups and entrepreneurs. Um, I would imagine it may not be that like, uh, like in India, but I, I really don't know. So please tell me, what's it like to start a company over there? Yeah, it's of course it's not as easy as as the United States because uh, you know especially in a new category 
so our company was formed uh, good dot was formed in 2016 but the work on the product development happened since 2013 onwards so uh, it was uh, between friends and family when we uh, pooled our resources and we had a couple of angel investors who are high net worth individuals who happened to be within friends and family who put in the money uh, because uh, you know you're right if you had just gone to the you know the venture capital scene or with just the concept uh, you know it's very difficult to get money unless you prove the product and the traction uh, so yeah it was uh, we knew uh, you know that it would be difficult so that's why we took an approach which was much more uh, you know uh, approachable for us so that's why we started within a close circle and you did have some american venture capital support too didn't you yeah initially in 2016 when we uh, launched good dot uh, 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 initially we had a, a funders in india and new crop capital uh, which is based out of united states they also put in a you know a seed fund and uh, you know gfi uh, guys also you know supported us uh, uh, when we started going out by spreading the word so overall uh, it was a combined effort of you know all the people uh, involved and thankfully you know from the united states new crop capital was also involved initially basically started by indians with some big fans of yours in the united states as well it seems that's really cool uh, so yeah yeah absolutely you say the products you were working on them since 2013 but the company really got going in 2016 what are these first products i mean i know you wanted to make something that would appeal to indian taste not to american taste not to chinese taste where plant-based meat was invented in, in china but really to indian taste. now of course uh, cuisine ranges dramatically across india it's a huge huge uh, country with lots of different cuisines so how did you get started and what were the first products uh, yeah, initially our first product, what we launched was, uh, you know, vegetarian meat, which we termed as vegetarian meat. It was a replacement of mutton, which is goat meat, uh, which is the second most popular meat after chicken in India. So that was what we targeted. And uh, uh, because we felt that, uh, uh, you know, the cost point of it was pretty high and it was not very affordable for a lot many people. So we thought, uh, you know, we should give them an alternative where, you know, they can have uh, a good product at a reasonable price point. So that was the first product we launched. And subsequently, we have launched so many different products. We have launched, you know, uh, chicken alternatives. There is one product which can act as a egg scramble in Indian style. We call it as egg burji. So we are coming up with quite a few new product lines, uh, both for Indian market as well as international market. Well, there's a lot that I want to talk about in there, but there's so much. So let's just get started on the first thing. You're talking about making it cost competitive. So in America, plant-based meat usually sells for anywhere from like 200 to 500% over the cost of commodity animal meat. You're talking about being actually cost competitive with mutton. So tell me, are you really cheaper or the same price as meat? And if so, how are you doing it? Uh, so in fact, uh, you know, the mutton... Uh, is not factory farmed in India. It is normally, you know, across, uh, you know, small to mid-scale, you know, rearing of goats. And the price varies across India. So a typical boneless mutton in India, North India would be around 600 rupees. Uh, and when you go to a southern state like Tamil Nadu, it will cost around 1100 to 1200 uh, rupees, Indian rupees. Our product is uh, benchmarked at around 600 rupees. So it is at at a lower end of the price spectrum of mutton. And when you say 600 rupees, that's about eight U.S. dollars. So per what? Per pound? Per kilogram? Per kilogram. Okay. 
yeah per kilogram and that is uh, you know we, uh, the higher priced product in our portfolio we have even uh, less priced product than that in our portfolio which caters to different uh, you know meat segments well that's great so are there people who purchase yeah. your product then as a cost savings not just because they like its environmental or animal welfare benefits yeah exactly you know i think uh, you know the primary reason a lot of people start out um, uh, is uh, health angle and then of course the cost parity and in fact a lower price point really you know uh, uh, encourages them to you know come back and do the repeat purchase so that has been quite uh, an interesting stuff for us that's really really fascinating and, yeah. and quite a big difference i know i heard um the chairman of the board of beyond meat in at a conference is actually at the good food institute conference in 2019 well, the audience that I was sitting in, their goal was within five years to be, so now that would be about four years, I guess, from now or so, four and a half years, um, be cost competitive with the price of commodity beef, which, um, you know, is, uh, is of course, really key to actually getting mainstream acceptance. I mean, you know, plant-based meat is still a tiny fraction of the total volume of meat that is sold everywhere on earth, but including in the United States. And cost parity is going to be uh, really so key to that. And the fact that you already have achieved it seems uh, pretty remarkable and maybe part of the reason why your company has grown so much. I want to talk about that. But before we do, you mentioned, Abhishek, the eggs that you're doing. So you're making plant-based eggs. Now, uh, one, I, I read online that you actually sell them for cheaper than eggs are sold in India. So one, is that true? And then two, if you could also tell us about eggs in India, because a lot of people there don't perceive eggs as a vegetarian food, right? Yeah, uh, that's correct, Paul. You know, uh, people uh, categorize egg as a non-vegetarian category of food. So people who eat meat are the ones who eat egg. And people who associate themselves as vegetarian don't eat eggs. Uh, one of our products, uh, you know, uh, which is called Protease, uh, that is uh, a versatile product. That's a dehydrated chunks of, uh, you know, um, you know, different uh, formulations, wherein it can be cooked. Like a lot of five stars in India are cooking it as a chicken alternative for Oriental cuisine, like ch Chinese cuisine. And uh, the same product, when it is cooked in a different format, hydrated in a different format, and cooked in an Indian style egg scramble. That is called as egg burji. So, you know, the five stars are using it intermittently, both as, you know, chicken alternative as well as, uh, you know, the egg scramble. And that is extremely uh, cost competitive. In fact, uh, that is at price parity. If you uh, take a packet of protease and make an egg scramble out of it, that is at price parity with uh, a similar volume of egg in India. And egg is extre extremely cheap. So that is uh, that is uh, that is an interesting uh, product. What we have in our portfolio, it looks innocuous, but it is an extremely versatile product. Wow, that's really fantastic! So, if if an egg consumer were to eat it back to back with a scrambled egg, would they be able to tell the difference? Yeah. Would they be able to tell which was plant based or and which was from a hen? Very difficult for them. You know, we have had blind tasting sessions. But yeah, uh, that's because that's not a ready to cook, uh, ready to eat format. That's a ready to cook format. So uh, we have the recipe videos on our YouTube channel. So if someone makes it in that particular format, and then again, it's it's a different way egg is cooked up. For example, in uh, in in the Western world, it is more like 
uh, scrambled egg is more coagulated with you know uh, it is more sticky uh, in india uh, the way the egg scramble is cooked the egg bhurji it is uh, it is not as coagulated uh, as as that it is more spread out so it is closer to the indian format of egg bhurji and uh, people have been fooled uh, quite a lot okay. by and it's very difficult yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good yeah. very good yeah. I, I always love yeah. that when when people can't tell the difference uh, so because that's that's the, i think that is the benchmark of your product uh, whether it will sell or not yeah i think you know there's two uh, there's two strategies. You know, one is to create products that really mimic the taste and the texture of meat, so that people who want that can easily substitute it out. The other would be to try to popularize other products. Like, for example, there's a company in the United States called Hodo Soy, which is really popularizing tofu by making it uh, very easy, convenient, and delicious, so that it's kind of dispelling the uh, stigma that had surrounded tofu as an undesirable food for a long time. And so, you know, you're, it's really like getting at the problem in two different ways. But uh, surely, um, the demand from meat consumers to want to consume the types of foods that they have been eating their whole lives, very, very important. And, you know, that has, uh, hit home to me actually by, um, our mutual friend, uh, Nagahali from, uh, from India, who was uh, okay. a coworker, uh, colleague of mine for many years. And, and now I know he's the, uh, yeah. co-founder of global food partners doing some cool things, but he, he one time told me right. Abhishek about the problems of, you know, it's not, like there's yeah. just tons of grocery stores that are selling uh, food that you just need to get your product in there. Like a lot of the meat and eggs are sold essentially in like open wet markets in India. So one, uh, is that, you know, is that your experience as well? And then two, if so, how do you manage distribute, uh, distributing your product? Yeah, uh, you're right, Paul. You know, uh, in India, primary, the meat, most majority part of the meat is uh, unorganized in, in small wet market shops. So uh, Jessima is right when he says that. And uh, in terms of our distribution, you know, we have been, uh, you know, fortunate enough to have a great uh, partnership with an organization in India called RCM. RCM is something like an Amway Amway setup. It's a direct selling network. So they have 7,500 stores in India and 1 million sales agents. So it's a big setup out there. Uh, We knew that, uh, you know, for creating a category or for creating an awareness, you would need millions and millions of dollars to be invested to create the kind of buzz about a new category. Uh, or you can actually go for an organic word-by-mouth uh, publicity. <clears throat> so it really worked for us because RCM, the agents themselves, you know, many of the agents, they educate the consumers. Sometimes they cook up the dishes and ask them to taste it and then they pitch the product or sell the products. So it's a very uh, different way of actually marketing the product because we are not just selling uh, a concept. Uh, at a conceptual level, people are uh, a bit wary of these kind of claims, but the moment they taste it, uh, they become much more open for acceptance of these kind of products. So that has been our strategy, uh, which we have been like pretty uh, happy with and uh, pretty successful at. So now through a sister company, we are also opening, uh, you know, fast food vegan outlets in, in the metros in India, starting with Udaipur and Mumbai. So they're in uh, products which are finished form, like rice-based dishes, curries, wraps, burgers, nuggets, is what we are serving. So when people actually do eat it, whatever we say to them, they are much more open to accept the messaging thereafter. So that has been our strategy. Let them taste it before you actually pitch your product. 
It's definitely true. Tasting is believing. And of course, the way to people's yeah. hearts, obviously, is through their stomachs. So uh, that's been right. You know, that's been my experience. But tell me about the fast food chain. Um, and what is it that you're serving? And are most of your customers vegetarians who just want to be able to enjoy the taste of meat? Or are they meat eaters who are looking to replace meat in their diet, at least for that meal? So that's, uh, you know, that was also organic, the setting up of that company and that venture. Because, uh, you know, initially when we launched vegetarian meat, it was ready to cook. It was just chunks of meat, which needed to be cooked in gravy or whatever form any person would like to. Uh, so uh, some of the, uh, you know, most of the reviews what we received were extremely positive, some not so. So when we did a focus group study on those, uh, you know, 20% of reviews, uh, we came across the fact that they were not able to cook it properly. So what we did was we set up a small food truck in uh, Udaipur, where we are based out of, where we served finished dishes like wraps, burgers, uh, curries and rice and biryanis, those kind of stuff. Uh, and when people ate that, they were really, really impressed. And what gave us a big uh, you know, encouragement was they not only praised the food, uh, we received franchisee requests across 18 cities in India and five cities out of India. So that really, uh, you know, told us that, hang on, we are on to something interesting. So we need to have a separate team to lead that because it's a very different kind of a soul and feel. When you go into a food outlets kind of a setup, it requires a different thought process and the team strength. What do you need for a manufacturing company? So that has been our extremely uh, positive, uh, you know, feedback, what we received. And it's it's also giving a good dot. It's also acting as a point of sale of good dot products and giving good dot a lot of visibility among the people. So it has been a very interesting experiment, which we are, you know, not taking it uh, quite seriously. That's great. So tell me about the name. Yeah. The good dot, what is that a reference to? And then good do, the name of the fast food chain. So uh, good dot uh, is basically, uh, there's a logo, a green logo. Inside that, the word good dot is inscribed. Uh, in India, uh, the packaged food uh, legally needs to carry either a red dot or a green dot. The green dot signifies a vegetarian food. The red dot signifies a non-vegetarian food. So what we said that the green dot, uh, you know, taking it to the next level, we are making it to the good dot. That is a vegan product, which is good for you, good for animals and good for the earth. So that is the name which the green, uh, you know, circle in that good dot is prescribed. So the green dot in India is the good dot. So that is the reason for good, yeah, good dot. And good do uh, the food outlets. Uh, incidentally, you know, good do has been ranked uh, as world's number two vegan food truck by Lonely Planet. So that was a great, uh, you know, validation we received uh, from those guys. Congratulations. Uh, good do. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. Good do is named after a rescued goat, uh, which we rescued from a slaughterhouse. His name is Good do. In India, there's a name, uh, a pet name for, you know, people lovingly call, uh, it's a human name, it's a good do. So we named him as good do. And uh, so he's our mascot for that outlet. Mm. And, uh, you know, that he's returning the favor by, you know, uh, uh, promoting uh, vegan food products and saving lives. <laughs> so that's very, the name of the... <laughs> very good. I, I, yeah. hope he, I hope Goodu is well compensated for his services to the company. <laughs> he's growing by the day. Yeah, he's <laughs> extremely well compensated. Okay, very, yeah. very good. So uh, that actually, uh, it, it, it 
it, it really brings me to this point that I want to mention about you guys and see what your thinking is on it. In interviews I've read with you, in the messaging on the Good Dot website, you all make it really clear that a big motivation for you is animal welfare. That you're really trying to spare animals from the harms of factory farming and slaughter plants. Now, in the United States, um, many of the uh, plant-based meat companies are run by people who share that same mission, but for marketing purposes, they just don't really talk about it that much. Maybe they'll talk about the environmental benefits. Maybe there'll be a vague allusion to animal welfare benefits, but normally that's not really discussed as much. So do you perceive this as a marketing advantage for you in India where maybe there is better animal welfare sentiment, or is this just something that you feel so passionately about that you're doing this, even in spite of the fact that maybe your customers don't care as much about it? Yeah, uh, Paul, you know, thanks for bringing that topic because I think uh, you're right. The soul of Good Dot belongs to animals. Uh, this is the reason of our existence. This is the reason why we started out. Uh, the core team, uh, uh, you know, uh, we are not business people. We don't come from business background. And this is not something which had motivated us. Uh, you know, we, we, we wanted to set up a nonprofit organization to help animals. But eventually, uh, the funding is the biggest challenge in setting up a nonprofit organization. So this was a thought that, okay, let's create a commercial enterprise which sells uh, products, which saves animals. And then within our whatever money uh, in our own end, what we'll be getting, we'll start helping animals. You know, in fact, we are feeding a lot of stray animals on a daily basis. So we have even uh, you know, purchased a chunk of land or eventually we'll convert into animal sanctuary. So this is what we are. And uh, this is what we are passionate about. Uh, uh, I don't think so. Uh, you know, uh, it is uh, the best uh, market strategy for an average consumer because an average consumer, you're rightly saying that a lot of people uh, uh, might like to pitch it more as environmental sustainability and health angle. Those are positive externalities for us. For us, uh, you know, um, you know, giving an ethical and compassionate choice is what we are going after. Whether it gives us positive returns or negative returns, uh, is time will tell, but we just want to be true to ourselves because this is from where we derive our source of inspiration and we want to keep the fire burning. Yeah, well, you, I can tell by the way that you speak, Abhishek, that the fire is indeed burning and I, uh, I, I admire the motivation that you have here. Um, so, you know, look, you purchase this plot of land, you've got a successful business. Um, I know that you all don't disclose your revenue, but you are selling millions of pounds a year of product, I know. Um, and, you know, tell me, like, how big is the company now? I mean, you guys are four years old. How many people work there now? So uh, uh, right now, uh, between Goodo and Good Dot, we'll have around... Uh, anywhere between 170 to 180 individuals working. Uh, so, and in fact, uh, you know, we are selling all across India. Till date, we have, uh, as you rightly said, uh, you know, uh, it's it's in the early uh, million of pounds, uh, between, you know, uh, one to two million pounds is what we sell uh, annually. Um, so, but, but that is just going to skyrocket because till date, we have just uh, created the foundation uh, for a great prototype and uh, the validation has taken place interestingly enough a uh, lot of interesting opportunities outside india are opening up so that will also just add to the volumes going ahead well congratulations um, are, are you all thank you yeah 
like extruding your own proteins? Is that part of your business where you're actually uh, texturizing your own proteins or are you buying ingredients that are already texturized and then molding them into your own proprietary uh, based product? Uh, no, we are extruding our own proteins and that is uh, the basis of our, you know, every product. And in fact, we are not just uh, extruding one type of proteins. We're extruding multiple types of protein uh, with different equipments, with different process parameters and formulation. So that has been our, uh, you know, benchmark of our R&D. And this is what we intend to keep doing and keep adding more and more product in our portfolios. So let me ask you, Abhishek, you know, five years ago, you were working at the Indian Revenue Service collecting taxes. Now you know about how to extrude different kinds of proteins, different processes, and you're the CEO of a company that has nearly 200 employees. Uh, First, just tell me, how much has your life changed? Um, Much, very much so, uh, Paul. You know, uh, for the first time, I'm living my life. You know, I'm I'm not going after externally driven, uh, uh, you know, achievements or goals. Uh, I'm happy. I'm content. Uh, I'll. There are no goals, even though organizationally I'm quite ambitious. Because unless you have the strength and you grow, uh, you will not. You will uh, be making a lesser kind of an impact. Uh, you want to increase your macro level impact for sure. So we are organizationally we are extremely ambitious. But personally. Uh, there's no ambition in me. I'm doing what I love doing. I'm doing what I think, uh, you know, appeals to me from very deep within uh, myself. So I'm content. So I think uh, this is the best thing which could have happened. Thankfully, you know, God had been kind that I could take that leap of faith and he supported me. Yeah, oh, that's really great. So if you, Abhishek, could talk to yourself five years ago, knowing what you now know, what would you have told that brand new CEO for a company that barely even existed with your knowledge and experience that you have now? What advice would you have given to yourself from when you were just getting started with Good Dot? I would have said, uh, don't uh, network too much. Don't uh, reach out uh, to a lot of uh, people out there uh, for funding and those kind of stuff because, you know, those are distractions. Because once you create a portfolio of products, because once you raise a venture capital money, uh, then uh, what happens is that you are focusing more on branding and marketing to meet those numbers. So I would say just believe in the concept. Think as an end consumer. Uh, Don't be swayed by your value system. Think as if an impassionate, dispassionate consumer, uh, whether you are giving him an offer he cannot refuse, whether from a taste, price, and convenience perspective, focus. if not, focus on the product because product is the basis on which you can build up the entire structure. So I think uh, devote more time to product, uh, you know, create the passion. I think this is, uh, you know, I think passion was always there and we were fortunate enough with the team being passionate about the same. But this is something what I would say, you know, don't worry about, you know, big companies coming up with big uh, numbers because that's their part of the story. You have to focus on on your product as an end consumer. So there is some uh, time which is wasted because now suddenly the space has heated up. A lot of conversations are happening. So you have to be, uh, you know, very picky and choosy as to whom you converse with. Otherwise, focus on your own, on, on your own setup. Yeah.
Yeah, sage advice. Sage advice for sure. Um, I, I often, yeah. you know, I often see all of these events. It's like, oh, go network with other entrepreneurs. And it's like, you know, really? Yeah. Like, we did that. You know, is that, I mean, do you really think that's what like Elon Musk and Steve Jobs were doing when they were starting yeah. their companies? Pro- no. Probably not. No, 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 no. And be original, you know, don't try to copy anyone because they they have been successful by being original. Uh, so, you know, uh, try to fill a gap which is there in the market, which is real and which you would personally buy from the market off as a consumer, then you have got a good idea. Yeah, interesting, cool. So Abhishek, you, you mentioned that you have plans beyond India. So what, what are those plans? What are you thinking about? Uh, so Paul, uh, we have received orders for Canada and Dubai. So we will be executing those orders. So I think within the next month or month and a half, we'll be in those markets. Um, we have also, you know, uh, exploring uh, Africa. We have signed some agreement for Africa. We'll be launching in those markets. Uh, we do have uh, some discussions going on in Europe and Australia, which are at preliminary stage. And eventually, we uh, we plan to be in the US. Uh, so uh, we are working on on some of uh, the background, how we have to approach the US market. So we we think, uh, you know, we have the product now ready. We have the you know system now ready to be in the more mature markets. And, and would you be selling this as a dry shelf stable product? Uh, oh, so we have even uh, you know gone into development of yeah shelf stable products. Uh, but it, they, we have also some interesting solutions in uh, canned uh, solutions in curries, uh, which are extremely uh, you know tasty. Uh, doesn't uh, seem like processed food at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a bunch of those which are Indian as well as continental. Then we'll have chicken in a brine. Again, uh, and then we have developed, uh, which we will be launching, but the product has been, uh, uh, you know, developed is a vegan tuna in a can. So that that would also be launched. And if the demand is there, we have developed uh, chicken nuggets, burger patty, chicken burger patty, uh, chicken wings uh, in the frozen form. Nice. So if, 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 if things work out, we will launch in the frozen category, those products. But other products will be in shelf-stable category. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Uh, you know, in a number yeah. of uh, Asian supermarkets here, they sell these canned plant-based meats that are produced. I, I presume in China, maybe it's another Asian country. I, I can't really remember. Um, but they have like mock duck and mock chicken and so yeah. on. Um, they are more expensive, yeah. I think. Um, but I, I, I have bought them uh, a number of times and I really like them. But yeah. I don't ever see them like in, main, in mainstream just conventional grocery stores. But I look forward when you're selling uh, some yeah. good dot uh, yeah. on the shelf and wherever it is. And if it's, you're selling it where I am, I can promise you that I will become a customer of yours. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. And uh, you're right. Uh, uh, a lot of interesting products are there uh, in the Southeast Asian market. Even Taiwan has got some of those companies which are making that. Yeah. But uh, our product is a bit different, and and we, uh, you know, we feel that uh, we have uh, uh, done an interesting work on that, and it has come out really, really well. Uh, the products. So yeah, yeah. Great. Well, you've you've led quite a journey here, Abhishek, from you know, <laughs> yeah. going from, as you put it, an animal lover to a, a government bureaucrat <laughs> to an entrepreneur now running uh, a company that I would imagine would be uh, quite big news to you if 10 years ago you had told yourself that a decade hence that you'd be running a company <laughs> with 200 employees. So uh, has there been no, anything, never. like any resources, Abhishek, that have been helpful for you on, on your journey that you would recommend to others uh, that might be useful for them? 
Uh, of course, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, it is, I think internet is the biggest resource. You have so many technical papers, extrusion-related papers, a lot of, you know, uh, uh, ideas uh, floating about, a uh, lot of videos uh, online. Then there are uh, some of the, you know, exhibitions, manufacturing exhibitions, and those kind of stuff. So I think, uh, you know, people, it is it is a one world, it is a small world this day and age. You really have to believe. And, and the thing is, uh, you know, you have to be really, really patient because uh, these things are not there in a plug and play format anywhere. Uh, so there are a lot of technical barriers out there, but those can be overcome if you have the right set of people and a very persistent uh, mindset of actually, you know, uh, because the biggest problem is how do you find the first uh, channel from where you work? Once you find that channel, it's a question of your expertise and hard work. But till that channel, you have to keep exploring. So I would say uh, dig in uh, more on internet, uh, all those research papers. I think GFI has come up with some very good, um, you know, resources on 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 plant-based, uh, you know, technologies, even clean meat technologies. You know, people can dig into that. Then, of course, uh, one has one has to even uh, approach some universities because I think uh, uh, it's there are a lot of universities which have which are doing very interesting work, uh, but it's just that uh, they are not commercially very, you know. Uh, I would say, uh, sound. So, you know, one can also do a research on those universities which are carrying on some of these research. You know, go to them, you know, see what they're doing, see if you like that, see how you can commercialize that. So there's so many ways where, you know, you can uh, look at those resources. And they are there. You have to dig deep. I think you t- take the use of internet. I would say the general Google search, video search. I think some of the resources like GFI, the universities which are, uh, you know, uh, famous for extrusion courses. One can do some of those courses to learn some the initial part of it. Equipment manufacturers, uh, you know, there are a lot of great equipment managers across the globe with some of the ready-made solutions. You can go with them. You can see what they do. Uh, so I think there are a lot of ways where one can really start. Great. So then finally, Abhishek, can we, you obviously are committed to good, but I'm sure there are other companies that you wish existed that could help fulfill this crusade that you're on to help save animals and the planet. So what do you hope that maybe somebody listening to this podcast will start on their end? There are a lot of, uh, I think, interesting opportunities. You see, uh, uh, there, even though, you know, different meats will have, you know, a different, uh, you know, niche market, but the fact is every market is big in itself. I think seafood is something people can work at. Uh, I think chunks of meat, for example, steak, uh, you know, beef steak is something which is not there and widely consumed. People can, you know, work on that because that's a very interesting uh, area of research. Uh, Then such novel ingredient companies are coming up like air protein. I would say mycoprotein has been there for a while, but new companies are working on that. Uh, those are not as glamorous, but they can be pretty large because they are solving very, very important problems. Interestingly enough, uh, I would say, you know, plant-based uh, fat, which resembles animal fat, uh, you know, maybe plant-based egg white solution, which helps in binding of the texturized vegetarian protein. So those might look very small, uh, you know, uh, concept, but once you are able to develop a product which meets those requirements, 
the market will be global and will be in billions of dollars. So, you know, I think uh, there are a lot, lot of interesting stuff, what I did mention. Maybe I'm missing some of them, but these are something which comes to my mind because I think um, uh, there's a lot of, for example, clean beast, uh, clean flavor technology. Uh, because everyone is working on the structure part of the meat, which is a difficult part because, you know, structure has to hold up in the scaffolding. But when you develop, say, clean flavor profile and you add to a TVP, the entire experience changes. If you take a clean fat, that changes the entire category. So very interesting stuff are there. Uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, lots of lots of opportunities. Yeah. Lots of opportunities. It's, a, yeah. it's amazing yeah. how the biggest problems that the world faces are also the biggest opportunities for entrepreneurs to really make a big difference in the world. And uh, I'm really proud to know you, Abhishek, and to see the tremendous difference that you're already making. And I want to congratulate you for the success of the company. You know, four years in, you guys are, I'm sure doing much more and are much bigger than you perhaps imagined might have been possible just a few short years ago. And so I'm sure that four years from now, you'll be even more of a behemoth, both in India and throughout the world, marketing uh, a new generation of plant-based meat. So I'm grateful to you. Can't wait to try your product, Abhishek. I hope that I get to try it sometime very soon. So let me know uh, when that will be. And of course, I'll be rooting for your success. Thanks a lot, Paul. You know, definitely would uh, let you know, uh, you know, about the products when they launch. In fact, happy to send across some samples <laughs> for you to just try out before they roll out. But, you know, uh, thanks for, you know, all the amazing work you have been doing and also, you know, promoting the entire ecosystem because uh, it's a big, big battle. It's a big battle for sustainability and none of us can do it alone. So it's great to be on the same side of history. Very good. Thank you, Abitech. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for listening. We hope you found use in this episode. If so, don't keep it to yourself. Please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And as always, we hope you will be in the business of doing good. Thank you.